Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, One Life Church. It is so good to see you. Are you glad to be in church today? Awesome. Hey, before we jump into this series, I just want to take a moment and do what we do every single Sunday, and that is I want to welcome our online church podcast family. Come on, One Life Church, put your hands together. Welcome our family who's listening to us online. Let them know how much you love them. Yeah, if you're joining us online today, I just want to say, man, thank you so much for taking the time, number one, to hang out with us. We love you. You are our family, and we cannot wait to hopefully have the opportunity to meet you and to see you real soon. Well, all right. Hey, if you're just now joining us, just now walking in, my name is Rhett, and uh, I have the honor and the pleasure of being the lead pastor here at One Life Church. And really, honestly, it is the joy of my entire life. And I just want to go ahead and give the disclaimer up front today. Uh, your pastor's feeling fine. Like, I'm good. I'm not sick. But uh, just with the cold air and everything that's been happening, I'm kind of losing my voice this morning. So I'm praying that I'll have enough strength in my voice today to preach God's word to you in a way that you can understand and it won't be too distracting. Uh, but I'm just going ahead and give you the heads up on that. I'm kind of full of Hall's mentholatum right now. You know, I just kind of took a huge bite into one and you know what that does. It kind of woo, wakes up your mouth a little bit. So I'm hoping that will uh, give me the grace that I need to make it through today. Um, so we are in a series, like Nick mentioned, called The Daniel Dilemma. We're actually in part three of that. And so I want to encourage you, listen, we are note-taking church. What does that mean? It means we like to take notes. <laughs> and so I want to encourage you, if you would, if you'll go to olc.church, come on, everybody play along when we pull out your smartphone, pull out your laptop. Come on, don't make me call you out this morning. Come on, grab it. Go to olc.church, kind of swipe down, click on the button that says message notes that I open up for you. And I want to encourage you to follow along. And in fact, some of you in this room today, you're saying, well, I'm not a note taker. Can I encourage you today? At least try. Do something new today. Step out of the box. I mean, you might absolutely enjoy it. And so the notes are there to help you, not only just for today to follow along to kind of understand, but it's also there to help you on Monday through Saturday. Because I tell you what, it's one thing to come in church on a Sunday morning to be inspired, but it's a whole other thing to leave with the tools in your tool belt, if you will, to be able to apply them on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Come on, can I get a better amen from all the note takers out there, right? And so what it will do, it, it's pretty cool. It allows you to send an email to yourself. You can save it as a PDF or you can send it to your friends and family. All right. So as you're getting ready to follow along today, really this entire series is all about answering and teaching really the, not answering the question, but kind of my hope is that I would be able to teach you how to stand firm, how to love well in a culture of compromise. In other words, how to live a godly life in an ungodly culture. Uh, this series is mainly more geared toward Christians. If you're in this room today uh, and you're not a Christian, I want you to know we love you. You're welcome here. Our arms are wide open for you. Uh, but I want to let you know today that you're off the hook all right, for this entire series. Uh, this is specifically talking to men and women who proclaim and profess to follow Jesus Christ. And so, but we love you and we're glad that you're here. But we're answering the question, and, and that is, is it possible, is it actually possible to be a light in this dark world? Like, is it possible to live in the world, but yet not be defined by the world? That's the question we're trying to answer because one of the greatest tensions you and I will face as Christians today that I believe the greatest tension is how do we live this life? Like in the culture that we've been dealt with, the cards that we've been dealt with, what we're dealing with in America, with how culture is shifting, like, how, like the, the tension we live is how do we live a godly life in this kind of culture? And so that's what today is about, and that's what this series is about. And if you haven't listened to week one, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to week one, because really it is the foundation to which all this is built upon. It is, we talked about how Jesus lived out this truth and grace kind of life. In other words, Jesus came and he gave us his standard. His standard was truth. But he also came in and gave us his favor, which is grace. And as Christians, we're called to live with both, because truth without grace is just plain mean. Grace without truth is meaningless, but when you put truth and grace together or God's standard and God's favor together, then it is medicine, everyone. And I want to encourage you, if you have not listened to that, go back and listen to iPod, uh, the Apple iTunes podcast, or you can go on to our website at olc.church. Well, last week, we talked, it was a little bit of a heavier message, and we talked more about what an ungodly culture looks like. 
And I submitted to you this idea that honestly, you know, the, the spirit that's in our culture today, this pride spirit is more than a locality, yet it, it's just a mentality. And we called it the Babylon mentality because as we're walking through the book of Daniel, we see the spirit alive in the Babylon culture that Daniel grew up in. And we basically looked at that culture and recognized it's pretty much the same kind of culture we're living in right now. It's this selfie generation, this self-adoring generation of this me, myself, and I, this pride. And how do we deal with that? How do we break the chaos and confusion that comes with pride? I talked about acknowledging God, exalting God, and ultimately a man on his face, on his face, face down, humbling himself before the Lord is exactly how we face a prideful culture. And so if you missed that, it's a little bit of heavier of a topic, but I want to encourage you to go back and listen to that. But today, I'm really excited today because I really feel like I'm going to get my preach on this morning. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, I'm so excited to bring this message today. Like I was like shouting hallelujah as I was writing down my own notes. I'm like, man, this is good. So if you don't get anything out of it, at least I will. Okay. Uh, and today we're going to talk about how do you live? How do you live in a stand up life? How do you live a stand up life in a bow down world? Like, how do you live this kind of life? How do you stand up for Christ? How do you stand up for God in a world and a culture that wants to make you bow down? Because here's the truth, my friends, and that is there is coming a time that you and I will face an ultimatum. You're going to face an ultimatum, and that is you're either going to choose Christ or you're going to choose culture. And here's the reality. There are many Christians around the world today that are facing much harder things than you and I will ever face. There are Christians today who are being faced with deny God or die. And here's the truth, and my hope is, Lord willing, and my hope to you and I is today as Americans in the United States of America is that we will never have to face that kind of ugly reality. But this is what I believe, that regardless if we ever face that kind of life or not, the reality is I believe that God wants to give us the courage on the inside of us to stand up in this kind of bow down world and society that we live in. And in fact, you don't have to go too far in the Bible at all to realize that one of the central themes in the entire Bible, it's all about standing. And I'm going to show you one verse today. Look at this. First Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 through 14. It says, listen, hey, One Life Church, be on your guard. I love the way this verse actually begins. It says, hey, watch out because life might be just a little bit tougher than you think it should be. It goes on to say, stand firm. Everybody say, stand firm. Stand firm in the faith. How? Be courageous. Be strong. Two things we're going to talk about today. But when you do, I love this. Don't be a jerk about it. Like do everything in love. And in fact, that's what we're going to talk about next week is how we can do all of this without being a jerk, but doing it in love. And again, here's the reality. I know many of us, we don't, we're not experiencing the extreme pressure of like, you know, deny God or die. I mean, most of our pressure that we face is like, you know, at a restaurant. It's like, I know I should pray for my food, but I'm kind of, if I'm honest, I might, I might be just a little bit embarrassed to, to pray over the food. I know I should thank God for my meal. So I end up going, Jesus, amen. All right, let's eat. You know, <laughs> it's like if somebody were watching you, they were like, oh, I don't know. They may just sneeze, Jesus, you know, I don't know. But then there's a kind of another level, and I don't know if you've been there before, but I have. I've been out to eat with, you know, that guy. <laughs> Means well. I love God. A little bit more on the charismatic side. And, uh, like, you know, when, like, he's going to pray for the food, like, not only is the waiter and the person next to you going to hear it, but he's going to pray for the chef in the back, and, you know, they're going to get their heart to Jesus <laughs> back, in the, you know, back in the kitchen. And you're like, bro, man, like, bring it. I know you love Jesus, but, like, can you reel it back maybe just, like, you know, 90, 90 decibels, please. And so we kind of feel the guilt and the shame, the embarrassment. We know we shouldn't feel that way, but we kind of do. And honestly, one of my personal worst is just a pet peeve of mine is when I go out to eat with a group of guys and nobody in this room, this hadn't happened to anybody in this room. This is other church. Okay. Right. So don't be looking inside yourself, but you go inside, you go without to eat with a group of guys and you got the one guy saying, I want to pray. And he's like, he puts out his hands. You're like, Oh dear God, we got a hand holder, hand holder. And all the guys around the table are like, dear God, I don't want to hold this guy's hand. I don't blame you. He's like, bro, we love you, but we don't want to hold your hand. You know what I'm saying? Come on, man. Give me a better amen. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to hold your hand, bro. I can love you from a distance. It's all good. So we all kind of feel, you know, kind of the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment, if you will, from those kind of things. But that's the lower end of the spectrum. But there is another end of the scale. 
And that is there are people who are losing their lives over their faith. Deny God or die. In fact, when I was preparing this message, I came across a guy by the name of, I hope I get his name right. It's called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He was a pastor, a Lutheran pastor in the middle of Nazi Germany. And his story goes on to say his recount was as he was a pastor of a church. There was a train track outside of his church and several churches in Nazi Germany at that time. And he recounts and remembers the sounds of the train as they would drive by the church. And these trains were filled with men and women and children packed to the brim, screaming at the top of their lungs for help because they were on their way to a concentration camp to be killed. And as the church pastor and the church congregates in Nazi Germany, as they hear the train go by, they turn the music up a little bit louder and they sing their hymns just a little bit louder to try to drown out the noise of the Jews going by to their death. He got sick of it to the one point he stood up on the stage, walked out, and later he was arrested for standing up against Hitler and his regime. He ended up in a concentration camp being hanged for his faith in God, for taking a stand. One of his quotes was he said, tell my family I'm getting ready to die. My old life is ending, but my new life is beginning. Imagine for a moment the kind of courage that it would take to make that kind of stand. I know we're not faced with that right now. God forbid that we ever will, but my friends, there are people who are dealing with this kind of stuff all over our society and world today. If there's ever been a book in the entire Bible that was filled with hallmark stories about people who lived a stand-up life in a bow-down world, it would be the book of Daniel. There's so many pillar stories. Some of you growing up in church may have heard of Daniel in the lion's den. If you haven't, I would encourage you to read Daniel. It's like the first six chapters will literally take you like 10 minutes to read. And that's if you're a slow reader. But they're so powerful. But there's another story that we want to talk about today. And it comes from three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you grew up watching VeggieTales, you know what I'm going to say today. Like it's all about the fiery furnace. But some of you are in this room today and you've never heard the story. So we're going to learn something today. So let's look at this. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the king of Babylon who, again, just to remind you, took the Israelites out of, their, out of Israel and basically brought them into slavery. Daniel and these three men that we're going to talk about today were brought into slavery in this ungodly culture and ungodly country. And so King Nebuchadnezzar says he made an image. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, I notice I highlighted the words image because I want you to notice how many times today in the scripture this word is mentioned along with another word that you're going to see highlighted in a minute which is sound. Because what I want you to see is it's very important that we always guard what we see and what we hear. Because the enemy is sneaky. Listen, the enemy is not going to just blatantly be all up in your face to try to get you to do something or to stand for anything other than God, like blatantly. Like he's not going to get in your face. He's going to come in with a sneak attack. In other words, he's going to bring messages into your soul, into your spirit, through the things you see and the things you hear. And so many of us, it kind of looks like this. It's like, I love God. But yet, you know, I'm kind of watching this movie over here and the movie absolutely mocks God in every single way. It goes against everything that I would ever stand for. But yeah, I mean, come on, man. It's just a movie. I mean, we're just eating a little bit of popcorn, having a little bit of fun. You know, or maybe it goes like this or maybe, maybe there's a song that you really love. And you're like, bro, I love this beat so good. But then you listen to the lyrics and you're kind of like, I'm going to push the lyrics outside because I know the lyrics, they mock God. And everything I stand for, you know, it's just a song. I mean, it's got a good beat. I mean, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm just having a little bit of fun, listening to a little bit of music. And all I want to say today is be careful what you see. Be careful what you hear, because it may not be as innocent as you think it is. Look at this. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image. Culture made an image of gold. He's always going to hide it in an image, everybody. Always hide it in an image. 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide. That's 90 feet high by 9 feet wide. He set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. Goes on to say, he then summoned 
the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all, other, all the other top dogs, right? All these provincial officials to come to the dedication of not to a man, no, but to an image. He's always going to hide it in the image that he'd set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, all these top dogs, and all the other provincial officials, they assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before it. Then they herald loudly proclaiming, nations and people of every language, this is what you are mandated. I didn't say mandated, I'm sorry. Commanded <laughs> to do. Culture will always bring you to a place and make you think that you have got to do something. And if you don't do it, you're gonna lose everything. That's what culture does. As soon as you hear the sound, there's that word sound. Not only an image, but he puts it, attaches it to a sound. Again, be careful what you see, be careful what you hear, because it may not be as innocent as you think it is. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship. Not me, no, but the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. For whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now watch this. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language, after they heard the sound, what do they do? They fell down and they worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And in verse 12, it goes on to say, but there are some Jews, King Nebuchadnezzar, whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. This guy by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And by the way, king, they, they don't pay any attention to you. They ain't paying attention to your sounds. They're not paying attention to the image that you've set up your majesty. No, they neither serve your gods, nor do they worship the image of gold that you have set up. In other words, I love this. They're saying, look, king, we are not gonna bow. I wanna make this statement to you today is that we're all bowing to something. We're all bowing to something. So if we're all bowing to something, it's incredibly important to make sure we're bound down to the right thing. It's important what you give your time to. It's important what you give your attention to. It's important what you give your affection to. It's, your, it's so important what you give your love to. We're all worshiping something. It's just so important that we worship the right thing. And this is important. Now, well, of course, finding out that there were some guys that weren't willing to do what he asked King Nebuchadnezzar. Well, he got furious. Look at this, Daniel chapter three, 13 through 14. He was furious with rage and time out for a moment. The world reacts when you don't agree with it. It's always gonna react in rage. Kind of reminds us of the toxic culture we live in today. Like we can no longer disagree with anybody, everybody. Like if I disagree with you, all of a sudden I hate you. I'm like, what have we come to? Are you serious? But just because I don't agree with you, I'm, you may look different than me or may act differently than me or vote differently than me. Doesn't mean we have to hate each other. No, not at all. And I'm telling you as Christians, I'm kind of digressing here. I'm sorry. Listen, as Christians, none of this will ever change unless it starts with us. You're not changing any lives by posting hate on Facebook about your political party. I'm just speaking to where we are right now in society. You're adding fuel to the fire that is already the rage and chaos that exists. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Amen. I digress. Look, he was furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned these guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? Like really guys, seriously, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you don't serve my gods or you don't worship the image of gold that I've set up? Look at verse 15. I love the way the Living Bible says it. Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to give you one more chance. So when the music plays, if you fall down and worship the statue and all, it's going to be well with you. But look at what he says next. But if you refuse. Now let me time out for a second. My friends, I'm trying to prepare you for a moment where you're asked to do something that you don't want to do. Because it's going to happen. You're going to be faced with having to choose Christ or culture. Ladies, let me speak to you for a moment. Young ladies, you're out on a date. 
and you're feeling the intense pressure from a young man who's trying to get you to do some things to compromise your values and you're not comfortable with it. And you're like, I don't wanna do that. So I wanna help you with that. Some of you are at the office or in the warehouse and you're hearing not only vulgar language, but you're, you're hearing your God's name taken in vain like every other word. And it's frustrating you, but not only that, there's so much vain garbage and junk that's coming out of the men in the warehouse that's offending you. And you're like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I don't want to come across as a prude. I mean, like if I walk away from it and I mean, I don't want, I mean, I work here. I kind of want to have, you know, favor with the boss and all that kind of stuff. Well, if I stand up, what's going to happen? And some of you are here today and you've got a friend who constantly wants to pull out his phone or her phone and go, hey man, look at this and show you something on the internet. That's dirty, that's vulgar, that goes against everything. It compromises your value. You don't wanna see it. What do you do? We're in a dilemma. We're in a cultural dilemma. It's like, we love God, we're not bad people. We wanna do what's right, but we're a little afraid. If I refuse, if I don't bow down, if I refuse this, if I walk away, like if in this moment that I choose to go a different direction, like what's gonna happen to me? Now, many of us in this room are not faced with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were faced with because theirs was critical. It was life and death. Look at this. He said, look, if you refuse, you're going to be thrown into a flaming furnace within the hour. And what God, listen to the pride, what God can deliver you out of my hands then? And can I just tell you, this is exactly what the devil tries to do. He tries to get all up in your face and try to scare you. And I just want to tell you this. The Bible says the devil is like a roaring lion. He doesn't say he is a roaring lion. The devil's like a mouse with a microphone, everybody. Let's just be honest. Y'all know what a mouse with a microphone looks like? Y'all want to see it? Come on, guys, put it on the screen. There you go. <laughs> Y'all, greater is he that's in me than a mouse on a microphone. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Can I get a better amen, somebody? <laughs> But we forget this, but this is the truth. But we forget it. And when we forget it, we get intimidated. So that's why I wanna prepare you. So how do we stand? Write this down if you're taking notes. Write this down, how do we stand? What does it look like? Number one is that standing firm takes courage. It takes courage. And, and, and it's more of courage of the heart. A lot of times in our society, in our culture today, we're thinking of like the Avengers, right? You know, this hero that's like unafraid of anything. Can I just honestly tell you that that's not really what courage is? I, I wrote it down this way, is that courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage is standing firm in spite of my fear. Courage isn't a person who's not afraid. Courage is a person who actually deals with some fear, but they just decided in their heart, I am not bowing to my fear. Check this out, Daniel 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, you know, we're not worried. We ain't worried about you, about what will happen to us. And let me submit to you today. They knew exactly how bad this fiery furnace was. Like they weren't living in a false reality. They knew that King Nebuchadnezzar's threat was credible. He wasn't bluffing here. But something, despite the threat, something rose up on the inside of these three men that I hope my prayer is for you. My hope rises up within you today is that when culture says, no, you're mandated, you're commanded to do this, you're gonna go, no, I'm sorry, not today, my friend. For as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am not bowing, I'm standing for God. I'm standing for God because of who he is. And when he's done, I'm telling you, great things happen. Great things happen when you stand. I'm going to show it to you today. Standing firm takes courage, but it also takes, standing firm takes faith. Standing firm takes faith. In other words, what's faith? It's no matter the consequences, no matter my situation, no matter what I see in front of me, it doesn't matter. I know that God is on my side. I know that God will deliver me. I know that God will help me. When I stand, I know that although I might not be able to see it, I know in my heart of hearts because of God's word says, I am not standing alone. My God, Jesus Christ is standing with me. This is faith. Standing firm in faith. Watch this. It's one of the coolest parts of the story. Verse 17 through 18. For thrown into the flaming furnace. This is the guys talking to Nebuchadnezzar. Look at their faith. Our God is able to deliver us. And not only is he able, he will deliver us. 
out of your hand, your majesty. But notice the rest of the verse. But if he doesn't, please understand, sir. He's a southern gentleman, right? These guys, look at this, sir. Notice that even though they weren't bowing, they were still polite. We're going to talk more about this next week. That even if he doesn't, sir, we will never, under any circumstance, serve your gods or worship the gold statue, this image that you've erected. So what are they saying? They're saying, in other words, whether this side of heaven, Nebuchadnezzar, or whether that side of heaven, we're in a win-win situation. Can I tell you this? For those that are in that kind of win-win situation, you can't mess with a guy. You can't mess with a people. You can't mess with a church who has this kind of attitude. Paul said to live as Christ. But to die, well, that's a game. That's like even better. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's kind of what they're talking about here. They're saying, we know that if we live, like if God delivers us, we're going to go on and make a difference with our life. And we're going to continue to stand and love people, help people come to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and to make a difference. Because that's what's going to happen if we live. We know that. But if we die, you know what? That's even better. We're still winning because now we'll get to stand face to face with God Almighty in heaven. This is what's happened. You can't mess with the people who are in a win-win situation. Listen, it's because their faith isn't focused on what they're standing against. It's their faith is, is focused on what they're standing for. Their faith is focused on what they're standing for. And I'm saying, hey, church, let us be known for what we stand for, not for what we stand against. This is important because, listen, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So I'll say it again. Let us be known for what we stand for. Not what we stand against. Listen, we don't hate people. We don't hate political parties. We don't hate people who look different than us. We don't hate people that we think are bad. And we don't hate people. No, we love people. We love God. And we love God's word. And we're going to stand. Why? Because we love God. We're going to stand for what we stand for. I'm going to come back to this at the end of the message because this is important. This is huge to the process of standing. But let's look at the rest of the story. I love this. Verse 19 through 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, he was filled with fury. His face became dark with anger at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He commanded that the furnace be heated up. You know what? We're going to turn the heat up on these brothers. It's going to go up seven times hotter than usual. And he called for some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the fire. So they bound them tight with ropes. They threw them into the furnace, fully clothed. Y'all, this is not a made-up story. This happened. These men were thrown into a furnace fully clothed with kindling on. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, look at this. The flames leaped out and killed the soldiers that threw them in. So what did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do? Look at this. They fell down bound into the roaring flames. But suddenly, come on y'all for a but suddenly. As he was watching... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, look at this. Hey, guys, did, didn't we throw three men into the furnace? Well, they're like, of course, idiot. Yes, of course we did. We threw three men in. We did indeed, your majesty. Well, look what happens. Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I thought we threw three men into the furnace. But look at this. He said, but I see four Men, y'all, I'm, I'm about to warn you. I'm about to preach a little bit here, okay? I'm giving you a full, full out warning. He said, I, I see four men. They're unbound. They're walking around in the fire. And they're not even hurt by the flames. And the fourth looks like the son of God. Do you know why he looked like the son of God? Because he was the son of God. His name is Jesus. He's the one and only living God. He's the Messiah of the world. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, is, and is to come. Be all blessing, glory, honor, power, and praise. Jesus Christ is the only one who will give you hope and deliver you from a hopeless situation. Jesus Christ is the only one who will stand in the fire with you and rescue you from death and bring you to life. I am preaching 75% 
percent better than you are responding this morning. Somebody, if you believe this, lift a shout of praise. Oh, Jesus. I'm telling you. Amen. Yo, I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm just trying to remind you who your God is and what happens when you stand. The devil has worked very hard at trying for you not to hear this message. He's trying to take my throat out, but that ain't going to happen. <laughs> Look at verse 26 and 27. Watch what happens. Nebuchadnezzar came close as he could to the open doors of the flaming furnace. And he yelled, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the, I got a new religion, y'all. <laughs> is what he's saying. I'm giving my heart to God. The most high God, come out, come here. So they stepped out of the fire. Then all the top dogs, princes, governors, captains, counselors, they all crowded around them. And they saw that the fire hadn't touched them. Listen, when you take a stand all up in the middle of the crazy compromise of culture, look at this. Not a hair on their head was singed. Their coats were unscorched and they didn't even smell like culture. They didn't even smell like smoke. Come on, man. This is good news. When you stand, you're not standing alone. God is on your side. He will deliver you untouched in the fire of a culture of compromise. It's the truth of God's word. It's beautiful. Standing firm takes courage. It takes faith. But I'd also look at this. This is so cool. Standing firm, it inspires other people. It really does. It inspires others. Hey, dads, if before your kids go to school, you just decided to say, hey, guys, you come together. I want to grab your hands. I want to pray for you. And after they pass out and you pick them up because you said you're going to pray for them. That's never happened before. All right. <laughs> you grab their hands and you pray for them. Well, I mean, I don't know how to pray. Well, can you pray just simply, God bless my kids. Just keep them safe. School's crazy. This world's crazy. And I'm just asking for you to bless my kids today. I'm telling you, as a dad, when you do that, you're inspiring your kids. You're inspiring your family. You're inspiring others. It's as simple as that. Sometimes we try to make it so much more than that, but it, that's really what it is. Watch this. Verse 28 through 30. King Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. I love this. They trusted in him, and they defied my command, and they were willing to give up their own lives rather than serve or worship any God or image except their own God. And watch this. Listen, if you don't see humor in the Bible, you need to see it because here it is straight up in front of your face. So Nebuchadnezzar says, therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego ought to be cut into pieces, everybody. <laughs> it's like the brother saved, but he ain't quite sanctified yet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> It's like, he's like the biker who just gave his heart to Jesus, but wants to go out and like hurt somebody, right? It's like, he still had some issues to deal with. And many of us, like we still got issues that we're dealing with on this journey. We love God, but we still kind of working some stuff out and that's okay. He just needs a freedom small group. You can go to olc.church and find freedom. Okay. <laughs> but it doesn't only end there. Not only does he want to cut them to pieces. Look at this. He says their house is like, we'll turn them into piles of rubble. <laughs> I'm like, really? For no other God can save this way. And then the king, and I love this word, he promoted. He promoted. Say everybody say promoted. promoted. He promoted these three guys in the province of Babylon. See, the enemy would have lied to you and tell you that if you take a stand, you'll be demoted. But in God's kingdom, it doesn't work out that way. There's always promotion on the other side of standing. Now, it may look a little bit different than you think it looks. It might look promotion here or promotion there. But either way, you're going to be promoted, my friends. Like you think the world's going to hate you, but in fact, no, the world's actually going to love you. It inspires other people when you take a stand. And that's why I want to encourage you to be a voice, not an echo. Let's be a voice. Let's be a voice, not an echo. Let's not just resound what Facebook, Instagram, culture, media, uh, the news tries to tell you you are. Let's resound who God says we are. Well, how do I know what God says about me, it's called opening the word of God. I'm not trying to be silly about it, but it, literally, well, where do I start? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the four gospels are four accounts of Jesus's life. Start with any of those. That's in what we call the New Testament. Start there, read it. Uh, and, and some of you are like, well, I'm already doing that. Well, maybe your next step is finding a church family to be a part of and getting connected with a church family. Really, read? is that that important? Yeah, it's absolutely important because God says your life will thrive when you're connected, planted, 
You're like, hey, well, I'm already doing that. Well, are you in a small group? Are you, is your life being changed in, in other relationships? Because how do I be a voice, not an echo? It's, you're not going to do it alone. You need people in your life. And that's why we do small groups. Not because it's something we do. It's who we are. It's because we want to be a voice, not an echo. We can't do this life alone. We need it. If you're doing life alone on your own and you're just coming to church on a Sunday, you ain't going to be a voice. Don't lie to yourself. It's not going to happen. Now, you might make a little impact, but you're not going to make a great impact. Nobody does anything of significance alone or on their own, apart from God's people. It just doesn't happen. There are no solo heroes in the Bible. There were always people around them, always. So if you don't know how to do any of that, can I encourage you to go to our Discover class today? What is that? It's just the next step to help you on the journey. It happens at 1130. I had the honor of teaching that class and have a chance to meet you and answer any questions. Is it the end all be all? No, it's just an opportunity for you to take a next step of seeing what it would look like with your life connected to a local life giving church. And it doesn't have to be at One Life, everybody. We love One Life. It's a, I love it. I think it's the greatest church on the planet. Why? Because you're in it. I mean that. You're here. But there are a lot of great churches in this valley. And I just want to encourage you to find one. If we're not your flow, it's okay. We will help you find another life-giving church. we got friends all across this valley. i got pastors on speed dial. I'll give you their name and the number. They've given me permission to give it to you. This is, this is the body of Christ. We need each other. Amen? So I'm going to close this message, come back to the key thought, which I mentioned earlier. And that's, let's be known for who we stand for, not for what we stand against. And as a pastor, it's my job to give you something to live for. And honestly, as I was thinking through this message, I came up with like a list of like 20 different things that I could give you to stand for. I just 20, I mean, like one, I could have told you to stand in prayer. I could have shared a verse that's not on the screen, but I could have shared Ephesians 6, 11, that when you pray or when you put on the full armor of God, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. And then once you stand, you could do everything to stand and stand again and stand again and stand firm. And standing firm in prayer is, it's more dynamic. It's more exciting when you live your life this way. I could also tell you to stand for purpose. <clears throat> standing for purpose is important. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58 tells us to stand firm. Let nothing move you. Why? How? Oh, but it says always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. What does that mean? It means to always give yourself to the purpose that God created you for. God created you on purpose for a purpose. That purpose wasn't to breathe air, pay taxes, and die. No, your purpose was to make an eternal difference in a person's life. And I'm telling you, you're not living your best life. I'm telling you, you're not living your best life. I'm telling you, you're not living your best life until your life is making a difference, an eternal difference in the life of somebody else. So standing for purpose is important. But out of everything I could tell you today, I came down with this one, really, that I want to encourage you to do today. And that is, I just want you to stand for God. I want you to stand for God. Or you could say it this way, I want you to stand for your relationship with God. Not religion, not a church, but your personal relationship with God. Listen, if you do nothing else, can you stand for God? Hey, husbands, wives in your marriage. Hey, husbands, can you stand for God in your marriage? Can you love your wife like Christ loved your wife? Listen, love is not about sex. That's not love. The world would sell you that it is. Men of God in this room, listen to me. That is not love. That is a byproduct and a fruit of a love but it's not love. Husbands, are you loving your wife? What is love according to the Bible? It's laying your life down, your will, your emotions, your wants, your needs. I didn't realize how selfish I was till I got married, everybody. <laughs> Hollywood lies to you. It lies to you, man. It's not about what you get out of it. It's about what you give to it. That needs to settle this morning. Husbands, I'm not here to pick on you. I'm also here to tell your wives, wives, love your husbands. But in fact, you know, the Bible doesn't even really tell you to love your husbands. Like in Ephesians, the scripture that we all use for weddings, you know what it says? It says your respect. That's all you got to do, ladies. That's all God asks for you. Jesus said, hey, guys, you need to die. <laughs> ladies, it's like, I just respect them, you know. <laughs> It's beautiful when it happens in harmony and works together the way that God intended it to be. Well, well, well if she doesn't respect me, I'm not going to love her. Well, if, you know, if he doesn't love me, I'm not going to respect him. Well, yeah, it's not going to work that way. It's not about you. It's about the other. When you said I do till death do us part, for better or for worse, I will. I will. Not unless you. No, no, I will. 
I will. How do you stand for God in your home? Husbands, love your wife. Forget about you. Lay it all down. Who cares? Your wife is more important. When you love her that way, I'm telling you, the byproduct is respect. It's respect. And listen, ladies, you're like, well, my husband, I like, he doesn't love me. And how in the world can I respect him? Like he's not respectable. We'll call things that aren't as though they are. Find something. Man, the way you open the door in the morning and leave the house, it is just amazing. <laughs> you do that with such grace. I mean, it's awesome. You think I'm kidding, ladies. Like guys like, oh man, Ooh, thank you. I do open the door pretty good. <laughs> right? That is not in my notes. I have no idea why I said that, but listen, there's truth in it. If you can't find something to respect, just speak the word of God over your husband, man. If he's not what you think he should be according to the word and you're reading going, man, my husband's not like that. At least begin to speak it, pray it, and call it out over him. I'm telling you, this is how you live a stand-up life in a bow-down world. It starts with a family, everybody. Kids, love and respect your parents. Parents, love and respect your kids. Kids at school, be, can I tell you this, students? Hey, listen, we got student small group tonight. We'll talk about this a little bit more. Be kind. How do I make a difference? How do I stand for God in a culture of compromise in my school when everybody else is trying to be mean, cut them down, and trying to lift themselves up by, by bashing somebody else on Facebook, Instagram, or in person? Just be kind. Be kind. Parents, that's a great thing for you to do too. When at the workplace, at the office, at the grocery store, at a restaurant, when that waiter or waitress is having a bad day and you're like, this is the worst service ever, and you're rolling your eyes and they can see you, like, be kind. How do we live a stand-up life in a bow-down world in every area? Be kind. Why? Because when you're kind, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads people to a place where they want to give their heart to Jesus. It's the kindness of God. Not because you just posted something on Facebook. Blah! Look at that! Here! Right? No! Please, for the love of Jesus, get off Facebook. Please, you will have so much more peace. How do we live a stand-up life in a bow-down world? Be kind. Be kind. It's as simple as that. Be kind. Because that's what the world's looking for, man. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for kindness. So be kind. So if you do nothing else, stand for him. Why? Why? Well, because he stood for you. Jesus Christ put his life on the line. Jesus Christ put his reputation on the line. Jesus Christ left heaven, came to earth, humbled himself to die on a cross, to be tortured for you, for me. And if for anything, stand for him because he stood for you. The Bible says this, Hebrews 12, 2. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. And what was the joy? That's the question. What's the joy? It's you. The joy that was set before Jesus was you. It was me. When he is being tortured and mutilated on a cross that he was unrecognizable. Guess what was running through his mind? It was you. It was me. If for anything, because Christ died for me, I will stand proudly. I'm a Christian and I present, represent the living God. I love God the Father, I love God the Son, and I love God the Holy Spirit. I love His Bible, I love it is God's Word, it is God's truth. I'm like butt of the elf, everybody. I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Come on, don't act like you don't like butt of the elf. It's getting to be that time of year. <laughs> I just want to encourage you guys to stand, stand. Jesus said it this way. He said, listen, if you acknowledge me before people, I'll acknowledge you before my God. But if you deny me before people, then I'll deny you before my father. In other words, what is he saying? He's saying, basically, there's not really a relationship here with me if you're not taking a stand. I love the way the message paraphrase says in Matthew 10, 32. Look at this. It's because of this word. Jesus says, stand up for me against the world's opinion against culture, against whatever the lies of the media are trying to tell you to do. And guess what? When you take a stand for him, look at what he does. I'll stand up for you. 
before my Father in heaven. So I'm going to close with this really cool thought. And as I was thinking about this whole standing thing, you know, throughout the entire New Testament, from the point that Jesus was ascended and went to heaven, it says Jesus was seated at the right hand of God. And there's several verses from that point that all talk about Jesus being seated. I could share several, but here's one, Colossians 3.1. It says, where Christ is, he's seated at the right hand of God. Hebrews 8.1, not in your notes, not on the screen, would even tell you that he's seated and he's making intercession. Like God is having, Jesus Christ is having a conversation with God about you and about me right now. This is happening in heaven. So here's the question. It's like, why isn't Jesus standing? Why isn't he standing? Well, the truth is, there's one scripture for the entire New Testament. After Jesus rose and ascended, there's one scripture where we see that Jesus stood. And it happened for a man by the name of Stephen. Stephen was basically a guy who fell in love with Jesus. His life was radically changed and he allowed God to make a difference through him. And the world didn't like it. In fact, it didn't like him so much that they got so furious and mad. They brought him before a bunch of religious leaders and they decided that they would kill him. And Stephen actually became the first Christian martyr in all of history. And what we see here is a glimpse of what happens and what Stephen sees. Because as they begin to martyr him, how do they kill him? They took stones off the ground and pelted him and pelted him and pelted him until he can no longer breathe, suffocate, and die. We see in Acts chapter 7, verse 55 through 56, while they were dragging him and stoning him, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God. And Jesus was not sitting, but Jesus was, he was standing at the right hand of God. And then he said this, he said, look, I see heaven open and the son of man, he's standing. He's standing at the right hand of God. When I read that, I thought, you know what? Jesus does stand. Jesus stands sometimes. So when does he stand? We'll write this down and then we'll close and pray. When I stand, Jesus stands with me. When you and I stand, he stands with us. <clears throat> Will you bow your head? Will you close your eyes? Please, nobody looking around. We'll be here just another few minutes and then we'll be dismissed. I wanna pray. Lord, I pray that you give us the courage and I pray that you give us the strength to live a stand up life in a bow down world. But God, as we stand, may it not be with pride, may it not be with arrogance, but God, may it inspire the world around us. God, I pray today that we would leave full of the power of the Holy Spirit, standing, God, like Stephen, knowing that as we stand in our homes and our marriages and our relationships and at work and even online, we would stand in such a way, God, that we would know that you're standing with us. Some of you are in this room today and you're not, if you're just being honest and real and blunt, it's like you don't have a relationship with God. Like all this talk about standing, you're like, man, that's great. And, but something's been tugging at your heart this whole time. You can't even put it, like, you don't know what it is, but can I just tell you what it is this morning? It's Jesus Christ. He loves you enough. And he's asking you to surrender your life to him today. Listen, salvation or eternal life and this hope that Christians talk about isn't about going to church. It isn't about doing religious things. It's not about prayer. It's not about giving. It's not even about serving. All those are a part and that's fruit of a relationship, but that's, that's not what salvation is. Salvation is simply just saying, you know what, I'm tired of going my way. And today I'm gonna to make a decision to go God's way. Because some of you are here today, you feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel, you feel pain, and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And if that's you today, can I encourage you to take a stand? And give your life to Jesus. It's a free gift. You don't have to do anything for it. It's already been done. Jesus says the gift of God is free. And that gift is eternal life. And it comes through one person. His name is Jesus. He's the hope of the world. And I'm telling you, a miracle will happen from the moment you begin to say the prayer. You'll feel it in your heart. 
And your life won't become perfect, but it will become fulfilled. And a miracle and transformation will begin to take place. Some of you are here today. You've given your heart to Christ at one time, but for whatever reason, you've walked away. And I want to encourage you today. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. So whoever you are, wherever you are, would you be so bold? Listen, I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But if you're here today, you're like, Pastor Rhett, that's me. I want to come home. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to come into a relationship with God and experience eternal life. If that's you, would you be so bold just to raise your hand all across this room? God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Keep them up just for a moment. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Man, way to go. That is the greatest decision of your entire life. Some of you raised your hand. Some of you didn't. Now, let me just be honest with you. It's not about a hand raise. It's just about a heart that connects with God. Can I encourage every single person in this room today to pray this prayer? Just say, Jesus, I receive what you've done for me. I believe you died and rose again. I believe you paid for my sin. Will you forgive me? Will you change me? Will you come live on the inside of me? I declare you as my Lord. I declare you as my Savior. And I put my faith and trust in you today. I give you my life. I give you everything. I'll pray this. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you in my life. Help me make a difference. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, hang with me just for a second. If you've said that prayer today, congratulations, man. Congratulations, madam. Welcome home. Hey, listen, that is the first and most significant step in your spiritual journey. But it is a single step. You know, to go from here to my house... I kind of have to walk off this stage, right, to get there. Like there are other steps that all of us are called to take in our spiritual journey of walking with God. And we would just simply want to help you with those next steps. So this is how we do that. In your worship guide, there's an online, or in your worship guide, there's a connection card. And that connection card will give us the opportunity to send you an email. If you'll take time to fill it out and mark it and to let us know you made that decision. When you leave today, you'll have an opportunity to put that in a container. There's also a place there for prayer requests. But if you didn't receive that, there's also the online version. You can go online right now to olc.church and click on that online connection card, mark it, let us know. And this is what's gonna happen. I'm just simply gonna send you one email and then the steps are up to you. Listen, we love you. We're proud of you. Hey, One Life Church family, throw your hands together. Show some love to those who made a decision today.